Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Expert Opinion. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show is titled, The ABCs of Social Selling, How Today's Top B2B Marketers Are Using Social Networks to Increase Sales. Today's guest is Jill Rowley. Recently cited by Forbes as one of the top social sellers in the world. I heard Jill speak at the recent BMA National Conference where a thousand people gathered for a two and a half day event focused on the future of B2B marketing. Jill gave us a great presentation on how she uses social media today and how she used social selling to become the number one sales rep at Salesforce.com and then Eloqua. After Oracle bought Eloqua, she was then asked to train the 23,000 sales professionals on the benefits of social selling and transforming their sales culture. Jill, welcome to Expert Opinion. Thanks, Ryan. I'm excited to be here today. Well, maybe we can just kind of dive into things. Um, I, I mentioned in the intro your role at Oracle. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that role and um, why uh, an organization like that, B2B, uh, should have their salespeople and marketing people trained in uh, the art of social selling. Sure, I'd love to. So um, it, it actually goes back to the work that I was doing at Eloqua as an individual quota-carrying sales rep where you know I was a top performer year over year and um, I was leveraging as social became a popular channel um, where companies were going and people were going, I was leveraging social networks like LinkedIn and Twitter to find my buyers, to listen and relate to them, to connect with them, and ultimately using social as a channel to engage. And not only with my buyers, but my buyers' sphere of influence. And you know, sales is all about relationships, and people buy from people they know they like, they trust. And I was using social networks to get people to know me, to like me, and to trust me um, by what I was able to actually add value to them by sharing relevant content, by engaging with them in their conversations via the social web. And so I did this as an individual quota-carrying sales rep at Eloqua and started to be recognized by a lot of the industry analysts and experts in sales and marketing and B2B sales and marketing. In fact, the folks from CEB, the authors of the Challenger Sale, had interviewed me about my use of social. One of the most memorable questions they asked me was, what percentage of my pipeline could be attributed to my social activity? And I said to them, the better question is, what percentage of Eloqua's pipeline could be attributed to my social activity? And it was really because the social web and social networks don't have geographic boundaries. They don't have industry boundaries, and they don't ever sleep. The social web is awake 24-7. And so, you know, it's a great, great channel to build relationships, to network, to research your customers and what's important to them. And Oracle, after they acquired Eloqua and Really, Oracle is trying to transform from being a very traditional, old-school, command-and-control, top-down, hierarchical 
um, on-premise software company where once you get the customer to sign, you know, you've already sold them the multi-million dollar contract up front and it really isn't as important on how you keep the customer because they're already committed versus cloud where the technology is sold as a subscription and the customer, if the customer was oversold and under-delivered, the customer doesn't have to renew and they can move to a different provider. And so, you know, Oracle was really looking at, you know, becoming a cloud company and also looking at the change in the workforce demographic in terms of a couple of the stats that I cite that are actually quite scary. By 2020, so in six years, 50% of the world's workforce will be millennial or Generation Y, and those are the kids that are between the ages of 18 and 34. And by 2025, in 11 years, 75% of the world's workforce will be millennials. And, Ryan, if you think about it, millennials, they're digital natives. They were born mobile. They were born social. They were born with Google as their best friend. They've known nothing else than having unlimited access to information and to people, and that's the workforce in a very short amount of time. And those are going to be our employees. They're going to be our partners. They're going to be our customers. They're going to be our competitors. And I actually think that Oracle started to, you know, the older folks, you know, Larry's 69. Um, Mark Hurd, he's got to be in his, you know, late 50s. Um, and they have, you know, kids who are in that millennial generation and even just looking at their kids and their, their, their kids' friends and seeing the way that they work and, and starting to make that realization that, you know, holy crap, those are the world in which we're going to be living in if we're not already living in it right now. And so they asked me to come in and design, deploy, and drive adoption of a global social selling program to teach, um, in particular, the more tenured, older uh, generation of salespeople at Oracle who, you know, the web and social networks isn't, isn't native to them. It was really to teach them how to modernize the way that they build relationships with their customers. That was a lot of lot of talking and not very much listening, so I apologize, Ryan. No, it's fine. Well, the reality is what I'm, what's going through my mind is that um, you're absolutely right about the power of the millennials in the future. However, we have a current sales force that probably was somewhat resistant to um, change their ways, and um, maybe you can just chat a little bit about how 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 were you able to uh, you know, step by step, take them through a process to get them to become, hopefully, become engaged and start to change their culture. Have you been able to do that, or what? What kind of uh, challenges are in your way? Yeah, great, great question. So, what I knew in terms of order of importance was to help the salespeople understand the why the why do social selling before I really got into what it is and how to do it because I know that beliefs lead to behaviors. And even if you believe that getting up at 6 a.m. and going to the gym is going to help you reach the, you know, weight that you want to achieve or the strength that you want to develop, 
if you don't do it, you won't get there. But if first you don't believe that working out is going to help you get the body that you want, then you're never going to get up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym. So for me, what, what I started with was really going around the world at Oracle, evangelizing the why, and the why is twofold. Um, one, I would start with why it mattered to the sales rep based on how they're currently measured, and they're measured on pipeline and revenue. And so I've spent, you know, years researching social selling, and I've read every analyst report, every research study on the benefits. And so, you know, I know that um, via Aberdeen Group that um, the benefits of social selling, that the percent of sales reps achieving quota is higher than reps not using social selling. I know that uh, the forecasting accuracy of sales teams using social selling is higher than those not. I know that the customer renewal rate of companies and reps using social selling is higher than those not. So I have the data, and I always start with the data. And so the data shows that salespeople who use social selling make their number um, more than those who don't. That's the first why. The second why, Ryan, is you have to. You don't have a choice. It's adapt or be replaced. And if you look at all of the companies that have actually gone out of business, that have gone bankrupt because they didn't evolve to adapt to the modern buyer and how the modern buyer wants to buy, if you think of Blockbuster and movie rentals, Nobody goes to Blockbuster anymore. They're out of business. Netflix is the way that people want to consume movies and TV. They want to do it on their own time, on their own terms, in their own channels. And so what I help salespeople understand is that the buying process has changed and that salespeople are being replaced by search engines and social networks and that a large percentage of the buying process is being done prior to the buyer ever engaging with the salesperson. And so I use a ton of data. I've got, I've got statistics at the wazoo that really builds that case on why salespeople have to change because we're living in the age of the customer. We're no longer living in the age of the seller because the customer actually has more access to not only information about your company, your products, your services, but also more access to people who have used your product or your competitor's product. And so salespeople are becoming a lot less relevant to the buyer being able to find a solution to solve his or her problems. Yeah, people don't want to be cold called anymore. They don't want to be prospected, right? And I, I know I've heard this uh, actually at the conference. There were two or three presenters that spoke about this, and I think the stats were somewhere between 60 to 70% of a buyer's decision is actually made in advance to even calling uh, upon the company and mostly influenced through um, the online influence. So in other words, what other people say about uh, the organization, right? And so it's no longer a salesperson trying to convince the benefits of the organization, actually, it's much more in, uh, relevant in terms of 
what other people are saying about the organization, right? Way more. So if you think about the trust, and this is a stat that I use, buyer to company, buyer to brand trust is at about 33%. In terms of buyer to buyer, person to person, peer to peer, power to the people, 92%, almost 3x. Buyers don't trust your marketing messages. They don't trust your ads. They don't trust your salespeople nearly to the extent that they trust other buyers. And so the role of the salesperson is actually not closing, not always be closing, but always be connecting. Mm -hmm. Connecting and building their professional network with existing customers, with the influencers in their buyer's world. So if you think about who does my buyer trust, they trust the analysts, they trust the bloggers, the journalists, they trust the thought leaders, they trust the consultants, they trust the experts, they trust their peers. And so as a sales professional, you're not only trying to connect with the buyer and the buying committee, but with that sphere of influence of who your buyer already trusts. And the role of the salesperson, again, isn't always be closing, it's always be connecting And the currency of the modern sales rep is content. Content that helps the customer, gets the customer more educated, helps them learn best practices, helps them get access to stories of how to, how to be successful. And so the, 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 what I know because I worked with marketing professionals for over a decade and I really did meet the modern buyer, what we haven't seen is the transformation in the sales industry from always be closing, pitchy, pitchy, selly, selly, run my sales process and jam it down your throat to really understanding the buyer's world and facilitating that buying process and, and really um, and bringing that buyer along their buyer's journey. Well, it's a perfect transition to the, the how. You know, you spoke about the stats on why, so... I think uh, create a lot of believers in, in the stats that you just provided. So let's transition a little bit to the how. So also at the conference, there were a lot of um, presentations around how marketing has evolved now to more about help and not hype and about selling, um, not selling, but rather serving. You mentioned content, and content's a great way to get your message across. And whether it's your own content or other people's content, it's a perfect opportunity to communicate with people and connect with people and share with people. So um, maybe you can expand upon that of how to use content and also which social channels do you feel are most effective? Sure, absolutely. And before I start singing, I'm down with OPC. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with other people's content. (laughs) (laughs) Because you made a good point, Ryan. This isn't all about sharing your own company-branded content. Because imagine if all you did was share company-branded content, company-branded content, company-branded content, company-branded content. You're using social as a new channel for literally just interrupting and disrupting and and jamming your stuff down your buyer's throat. So I'm very much, you know, content is the currency of the modern sales professional. Content is the third pillar in my social selling framework. And I teach salespeople how to read what their buyers read and then share that content across their social networks. And so I teach salespeople how to read the content from the analysts, the bloggers, the journalists, the thought leaders, and share that content 
I teach them how to find the best company-branded content that's based on buyer persona and buying journey. And then I also teach them how to share cat pictures. <laughs> and, and not really, I know people are like, not really cat pictures, but content that even humanizes the sales professional okay. and demonstrates what is important to that salesperson outside of maybe the context of, of business. So content is the third pillar. But before I teach salespeople how to read and share content that would resonate with the buyer, I actually make them start with a social makeover. And I teach them to look at their LinkedIn profile from the lens of the buyer, not the recruiter. Mm -hmm. And if you think about a lot of sales reps are using LinkedIn as their online resume, and it's optimized for the recruiter. So it's like, quota crusher, expert negotiator, president's club winner. And, And when you really think from the buyer's perspective, when the buyer goes to that LinkedIn profile and sees, quota crusher, People buy from people they know they like, they trust. Nobody likes or trusts the quota crusher. And so the first step before you go out and ABC, always be connecting and socially surround the buyer of the buying committee in their sphere of influence and reading what your buyers read and share that content, you need to build your personal professional brand. You need your LinkedIn profile to demonstrate why that buyer should want to take your meeting return your phone call, respond to your email. And they're not going to do that if you're the quota crusher. So the first step in the whole methodology process framework is helping sales professionals really demonstrate their subject matter expertise on their social profiles. And I, you know, B2B, LinkedIn, table stakes. Twitter, it is the most underutilized, misunderstood network. Spend a course with me focused on Twitter and you will walk away realizing it's not where you share what you had for lunch. (laughs) It's where you find very influential people talking about what your buyer cares about and where you find buyers talking about things that you could be part of the conversation if you implemented my fourth pillar of the framework, which is social listening for leads. And a lot of companies have implemented social listening for customer service and support if their clients are unhappy and they're listening for, you know, service and support issues. A lot of companies have implemented social listening at a marketing level to listen for brand sentiment or impressions and mentions. But very, very few companies have said buyers are out there having learning parties and they're using social to um, query their peers to ask for input and they're and they're leaving little breadcrumbs of a buyer might say, I'm looking for a company doing lead nurturing. And if you sell lead nurturing technology, ding, 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 that's a great opportunity for you to not go in and tell them how great your lead nurturing product is, but to showcase some of your customers who are doing lead nurturing. So a shift from so product of selling to product of listening and being, being aware and then helping, Right. Not just not just selling. Helping, helping and serving. It's about building relationships. Relationships mm-hmm. take work. Anyone who is married knows how hard it is to build that relationship and to maintain that relationship. Relationships are based on trust and on value. 
And so if all you're worried about is selling and closing and jamming your sales process down the buyer's throat, they will not engage with you because they have a choice today. Buyers today have choice and they have voice. And so if you as a salesperson rush your buyer to the close because you need to make your quarterly number so you can cash your fat commission check, and then that customer turns into a negative Nancy because you overpromised and you underdelivered, negative Nancy takes to Twitter and to her social networks and she talks about how terrible you are. Versus if you treat that buyer not as a prospect, but you're developing them into an advocate mm-hmm. of your product or service of your company, and of you, Positive Patty takes to her social network and advocates on your behalf and your company's behalf and your product's behalf. And so the job of the salesperson isn't to always be closing, but it's to be developing buyers into advocates because your advocates are your best salespeople. Once again, going back to uh, not pushing your message, but uh, the power to the people, right? That's exactly right. That's well, I have a, a quick question for you. I, I read a stat about um, the the art of pushing out your content that uh, that it should be the, follow the eighty twenty rule eighty uh, percent about um, other interesting information from influencers or advisors and only talk about twenty percent of the time about you. Is that about right or any other guidance? Yeah, I think that's about right. I I from a sales rep perspective, I teach to the four one one, and it's it's literally it's. I just use 411 because everyone knows what information is, 411. Um, although now you don't even call 411. You just go to Google. <laughs> Four pieces, third-party thought leadership, non-company branded, one piece of company branded content, and then one what I call the cat picture, which for me, okay. cat pictures are TED Talks or they're inspirational quotes. But sure, the 80-20, exactly, 80% thought leadership, third-party, non-company branded 20% company branded. You know, HubSpot is a great company doing awesome content marketing where a lot of the content doesn't even, doesn't even relate to what they sell, right? I mean, ultimately the idea is that the content leads you back to what they can sell you, but they're doing it in such a non-sales way. They're doing it in a much more um, educating thought leadership uh, way that you are just naturally drawn to their company because of you you get addicted to their content because their content actually helps you become a better marketer or a better salesperson. Well, Joe, we could talk about this for an hour or two. Uh, unfortunately, we're about out of time. Uh, any final thoughts or insights you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I think I think we have to really slow down and think about the longer term perspective of and what I would advise to um, young people who are in high school or in college is to really be thinking through the ABC always be connecting Um, connect with your professors connect with visiting presenters from companies or um, authors or you really start thinking through the always be connecting because your network is your net worth and to be thinking about how do you build relationships and so if you think about you know sending a generic LinkedIn invite I call that hashtag social stupid hashtag just plain lazy versus sending an invite to someone to connect on LinkedIn complimenting them 
congratulating them, relating to them, and and not not going for the quantity over quality, but making every communication matter, and then really thinking through how do I demonstrate that I'm likable and that I'm trustworthy, and living your your life on the web, really thinking through everything you do on the web is your digital reputation. And so for me, it's really important that I get, when I do public speaking, when I do keynote speeches at sales kickoffs or sales training events, or when a marketing leader brings me in to do a workshop on modern marketing, um, that I get them to write a recommendation for me on my LinkedIn profile because that's what's now going to establish my credibility and it's going to shorten my next sales cycle. It's Perfect. going to, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and everyone needs to be thinking that way, right? If you do good work and you generate value for your customer, there's no harm in asking them to publicly endorse you for what right. the value you are able to generate. Well, Jill, I know you um, speak on uh, to many different companies uh, and give them advice. Uh, any other listeners have questions or want to reach you? How's what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Oh, sure. So you know, can just Google Jill Rowley R O W L E Y. I'm on Twitter. It's at Jill underscore Rowley, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, go ahead and feel free to send me a personalized invite <laughs> to connect on LinkedIn, so I know where you learned of me and why you want to combine our networks. Um, I have a website. It's jillrowley.com, and they can submit a contact me form on the website. And I'm just really launching the business, Ryan, so I'm just really starting to um, create my own um, content channels. So in terms of blogging, I currently blog leveraging the LinkedIn platform, and I'm also part of Salesforce.com's Sales Thought Leader program, so I'm actually contributing content to their online sales leadership community. Um, I do lots of interviews like this, so that's where you find me via Google, and I try to post a lot of this content on my LinkedIn profile or on my website. So I would, you know, ABC always be connecting. Let's uh, let's combine our our passions and our networks and change the world. From always be closing to always be connecting. Great advice today, Jill. Thank you so much for being a guest and expert opinion. And that concludes our show today. Uh, listeners, if you'd like to uh, visit our past shows or read our blog series, visit brainingbusiness.com. Really like for you to share your comments. We can all benefit from the discussion and varying viewpoints. Once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>